Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's the Keith Walsh Podcast. It's essential like your breakfast. It will get you up and going, learn some things you didn't know. Yeah, it's the Keith Walsh Podcast. It's the Keith Walsh Podcast. Give you energy like buck fast. And if your head's in a pickle or you're looking for a giggle, it's the Keith Walsh Podcast. Yeah. Hey, pop pickers. Hey, it is the Keith Walsh Podcast. With me, um, Brendan... <laughs> Brendan Cawley. I'm filling in for Keith Walsh. Um, no, it is actually Keith Walsh. I wonder if I went on holidays and it was the Keith Walsh podcast. Or I just get somebody else to do it. I'm sure that'd be fine. Absolutely fine. I'd get I have to get another person called Keith Walsh. There's a very famous... I may have mentioned him. There's a very famous skateboarder from Dublin who now lives, I think, in America. California. New York. One of these places. Um... He could live in Utah. I don't know. But his name is Keith Walsh. And he's very famous. So if I have to go on holidays, I can get Keith Walsh to do the Keith Walsh podcast. Actually, I could... Sh- I've had an idea. I should get Keith Walsh to be a guest on the Keith Walsh podcast. Then it would be the Keith Walsh, Keith Walsh podcast. Hang on, I need to make a note of this. Uh, I won't be editing this out either. It's too late in the evening. Get. Can you hear the right name? Keith Walsh to oh, I better write skater in case I think it's me I'll be like get Keith Walsh be on the Keith Walsh podcast what I'm already on it to be on the Keith Walsh podcast love you love you too you're the best love you more love heart okay um, that's a good idea thanks everybody thanks for helping me with the idea so, uh, how are we all doing? It is uh, the f- proper, we're into the second week of what we think might be a, a four-week lockdown, possibly a six-week lockdown, so I hope you're all well. If you're listening to this in 2021, I hope everything's better there. If you're listening to it in 2022, I hope everything's really better there and I'm very rich and minted and you can write to me and I'll still have the same email address. It'll be keithwalsh.walsh at gmail.com or keithwalshpod at gmail.com. I'm, I'll still be on the social media. If they exist, uh, Twitter and Instagram, so you can follow me and find me there. Uh, as I record this, it is Monday evening. Just after I recorded the intro to the chat with my friend Mike, I got straight down to business and recorded this intro into this chat with a young fellow called Jay Yellowell. Jay is his name. That's what you can call him. Uh, it is, I'll just tell you the time now, just in case, just for reference, because I'm Irish and we love knowing what time it is. It's um, just gone quarter to almost ten to nine. And that's new time, not old time, because the clock's changed. They went forward or back or something. Let's read a little bit about JLOL from Hot Press. Let me see if there's a date on this. 4th of July, 2022. 
2019. And the headline reads JLOL. Let me let me tell you how to spell that, just in case you want to follow him, and you should. J and the word yellow and the letter L. So the letter J, the word yellow, and the letter L. JLOL, the journey so far for the young Irish rapper. I actually saw him, uh, I think I mentioned it in the chat with him on BBC Three, and I went, I need to get him on the podcast. He's from Newbridge. I'll tell you more about that in a second. Uh, ahead of his longitude appearance, Dublin rapper, eh, eh, uh, JLOL reflects on his journey so far with Hot Press. Armed with a fiery flow, social conscious lyrics and a refusal to be boxed into any subgenre, JLOL has spent the last two months proving himself as one of the most authentic young voices in the Irish hip-hop boom. And it is a boom, let me tell you that for nothing. Uh, he returns to the Longitude stage, fresh from a stellar set of body and soul, where he enthralled the crowd with a string of fan favourites from 2018's excellent EP, Me and Me Too, his latest single, Take Time, uh, a fearless track that just as that is that's just as incendiary as the firearm in its title takes aim at facades and the fickleness of fame. Um, and unfortunately, as he is originally from Nigeria, uh, and unfortunately Nigeria finds itself in a um, I don't want to say a spot of bother, but there's uh, some crazy stuff going on over there at the moment. So. Uh, that's something that I will want to read up about and learn about and find out why they're turning off the CCTV cameras and fo- why the people are being killed by uh, it seems to be a wing of the police, some sort of enforcers. They seem to be a group. I'm not really. I don't know a huge amount, but there seem to be some sort of group who are who were set up initially to deal with um, robberies that were happening in Nigeria. And maybe they got out of hand, got too big for the boots. Uh, but people are being killed and it's quite serious and it's bad and uh, they're protesting and they're not being allowed they're not being allowed to protest and they're being killed and there's not a huge amount of news coming out about it so try and uh, find out what's going on there if you're interested I did ask uh, Jay to come back on and talk about it and he said he didn't know enough about it to feel like he could talk about it uh, confidently Um, but uh, he I did see him tweeting about it and trying to highlight the, the the atrocities that are going on over there at the moment um, anyway so this is and it says a Dublin rapper and he always says Dublin rapper because and as you'll hear he did live in Blanchardstown for a while when he moved to Ireland first but he now and <laughs> you'll hear the shock when I uh, announced to him that uh, I am also in Newbridge and he is living in Newbridge at the moment which is crazy it's crazy to have such a well no we, we've, we've a great tradition of brilliant musicians in Newbridge um, and sure wasn't Christy Moore the first rapper he was oh yeah listen to Listing Environment um, so yeah so I uh, I really want to talk to Jay um, we would have played his music a good bit on 2FM and every time I introduced the track I used to um, proudly announce that he was from Newbridge and uh, yeah, he was a bit shocked when he realised that I knew that he was living in Newbridge. He thought he was undercover, you know, getting away from everything. And I spoke to him about uh, everything from uh, his early life to um, we got on to eventually to how he's coping with COVID, um, how his song featured in on the FIFA game, um, other voices, everything. We had a great chat. 
um, about settling in, settling into Ireland as a, a young man from uh, Nigeria. He did live in England for a little while as well, and he told me a lot about his 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 mother. And look, I'll stop talking, and I'll let Jay do all the talking. I hope you enjoy it. And as always, you can email me Keith or Keith. You don't work at RT anymore. Stop saying it. Keith Walsh dot walsh at gmail.com or keithwalshpod at gmail.com get in touch um, about anything I'd love to hear from you this is it it's episode 18 oh my god of the Keith Walsh podcast with JLOL enjoy yeah so so I definitely have it um, yeah no worries so when's the album out what's the date what's the what's what's happening give me all the details first of all right so the album is out on the 20th of November um and yeah, we're 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 looking through a launch party at the Bottom Factory on the nineteenth, but I'm hearing all this talk of um six week level five lockdown and all that kind of stuff. So I'm not sure if that's still gonna be able to go ahead. Everything is booked and everything, but um yeah, we don't know with the restrictions. So that's the real obstacle at the minute, the COVID thing, I'm, as I'm sure it is for most people. But you know, trying our best. But ultimately, the music is what matters. So that's that's ready to go for sure, regardless. Well, I mean, regardless of the lockdown, you can still get the music out. That's that's the beauty of it all, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. You know, that's the only thing that's <laughs> keeping me hopeful. Yeah. Where uh, where are you now? Right now, the second. You're at home somewhere. Yeah, I'm at home in my room. Um, just my home studio setup, just kind of seeing what the Sunday afternoon vibes are, <laughs> make some music and stuff, stay active. And yeah, just chill out. This is a chilled out weekend for me. So so where's home? Active. Where's home? I'm Kildare myself. Are you in Newbridge? Well, yes. Yes. How did you guess? <laughs> Do you know where I am? Where? Newbridge. How did you what? Wait, did you know did you know that before before today? Yeah, see I am I'm Newbridge, uh, a Newbridge man, and I previously worked on 2FM, so we used to play your songs, you know, and I'd always say, Oh, big up <laughs> JLOL from Newbridge, big Newbridge. Oh man. swear. Yeah, yeah. I big up the Newbridge massive. Come <laughs> on. Yeah, man, living it up. That's um, crazy. Did you shoot any of your videos around Newbridge? None that I've been really. Actually, I shot one video on the Cura. Um, Use the open space Medusa video. But um, I had one that's released that I actually shot in the estate opposite the train station. I don't even know why it happened that way. I, it, no, in the estate on the road, of the on station road. I don't know why that happened, but it was kind of... The videographers, we were all going through Newbridge and they're like, oh, this would be a cool spot for a little video that we're doing. And somehow we end up shooting the whole video there and it turned out, actually turned out pretty good. So looking to looking to release that soon. The lot come with the album anyway. My son is uh, a big, big into scooter riding. He rides scooters, you know, so he hangs out at the yeah. skate park in Newbridge a lot, you know. Right. So yeah, I was yeah, saying, yeah. I was saying to him, you should get, you should get JLOL. You should get him to shoot his video at the skate park and ask him, can you be in yeah. it? You, you should email him. <laughs> <It's> just... 
Email him, can you shoot a video of the skate park so you can be in it? Yeah, first of all, can you shoot the Why video? not? If I can do it, second of all, can I do <laughs> Why not? In fact, that is something I'll look to do. The skate park's pretty cool. Yeah, there's some good kids cool. up there. It's, good. it's a good scene. Yeah, yeah. You know? um, can you take me back then? How did you... Tell me about your parents. Tell me everything. How does how did you end up in Newbridge? Uh, yeah. Tell me your life. Pre, pre, right. Pre-Ireland, pre-Newbridge. Pre-Ireland, pre-Newbridge. So I, I was born in Nigeria. Um, that's home, home to me. So um, I spent a lot of my formative years there. Went to school for a very long time. And then at some point, I must have been like eight. And at some point I was eight. And we moved to England. I don't really understand why that happened, but it happened. We moved to England and and um, went to school in England a little bit for like a year or two. Moved back to Nigeria and then went straight into boarding school when I was nine, which was a bit, you know, that was a bit tough because I just come, I just acclimatized to, you know, Western society and in England and just being around a different culture. And all of a sudden, I'm back in Nigeria and I'm thrown straight in the deep end. But what happened, it was actually my fault. Because to get into um, to get into secondary school, you have to write a common entrance exam. Typically, you, you do it from, say here, you'd be in sixth class. You do it from sixth class. But then you have the option to do it from when you're in primary four, which is like fourth class. And for some reason, my grandparents thought I could do it, which they were right about. So I did it. And um, I got into, I got admission into secondary school, which was something that in hindsight, I, sh- I don't think I should have, I think I should have failed that exam on purpose. But, you know, it happened anyway. I was, ble- I was blessed to it. book intelligence. So we went, I did the exam, went into boarding school, spent a lot of years in boarding school. Um, then all this time, though, I wasn't growing up with my, I wasn't spending any time with my mom. I was living with my grandparents and my big brother because my parents had split up. Um, and my mom was actually in Ireland so with my little brother. So at some point, I must have been 13, when my brother and I just realized my brother was three years older than me, so he was 16. And he, we just came to the conclusion that we had to spend um, some part of our childhood with our mom and it would be invaluable for us to have that experience because we'd see our dad like he was he had access to us because we were with his parents so we'd always see him and we always spend a lot of time with him so everything was fine then but we were missing that sort of you know that connection you have with your mother and I know it was hurting her and that's what hurt us even most the fact that she didn't have access to us so that hurt us just just the whole dynamic was terrible at the time so we knew we had to do something so we started lobbying to go to Ireland just on holiday just to visit and you know see so moving to Ireland was never even in the plans at the time it was just literally just want to see our mom she could have been in Indonesia and we would have done the same thing so we're like we just wanted to go see our mom let's just go we need to spend that time with her we need to have that bond you know, like she'd always try so much to, because she'd come, on, come to Nigeria on holidays, but then a lot of family politics and stuff like that. It'd be hard to see us when we spend too much time, all that kind of shit, like stuff that goes on. And then all of a sudden, 
somehow we got we got to the age where we were now a bit autonomous over our you know, living conditions at 13 years old. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. But anyway, we're like, yeah, we're going to going to Ireland. Finally got a visa and everything. We were go- it was a two-week visa going on holiday. And um we came to but because of the hope because actually we got denied visas like two years in a row. So we had already been planning on coming to Ireland, but the whole immigration process was so tedious. We actually got denied twice. My mom had to go through all this stuff of proving that we were her kids and DNA tests and all this kind of long, like it's just unnecessarily complicated. But then we finally got the visa and I had no idea what a D visa was at the time. So I, I didn't really know too much about immigration and all that kind of stuff. But when we got there, my mom took like she um did a bit of research on the kind of visa we got and it was actually a visa with the option to stay in Ireland. And you know, I spent two weeks here on holiday with my mom and it was the best experience of my life. You know, I'd never had that experience since I well, not that I could remember, because I was like four or five when the the split happened and she moved away and all that stuff. So it was just the it was the best time of my life, just being able to be with her and be with my little brother as well. And um, just even in Ireland, it was great. And because of my mom, I connected to Ireland so much. And I had to just tell my grandparents over the phone, like, yeah, I don't think I'm coming back. <laughs> that, was a, that was a very emotional time as well, very sad, because to that point, my grandparents had been my parents. And they had, you know, raised us raised us as as our parents and as their own children so it was very um emotional time but it had to be done it's one of those things you know you've had us for 14 years now so you know I guess it's only right that my mom has us for the rest so at least to where you know adults or men or whatever so yeah that was kind of how it happened and I actually moved to because she was living in Blanche so we moved to Blanche North Dublin and that's where I spent most of that's actually where I spent that's where I lived up until I moved to Newbridge a couple of years ago um yeah so I grew up in Blanche went to school there made a lot of friends and yeah I was pretty much like that's where I actually identify with that part of um Dublin a lot more than I do with Newbridge like to this day people ask me where I'm from and I still say Dublin because that's where I went to school so I'd I, even when I was in Newbridge, I was commuting into Dublin for school. So I didn't spend any time here. And I went to college in Dublin. And so, yeah, that's kind of, <laughs> I don't know that's why I just story. gave you a full life history. That's what but, I want. Yeah. That's what I wanted. <laughs> that's what the, 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 the podcast I do is just like, I like to chat to people and find out their story. You know, that's the, that's mm. the whole premise of it. And obviously, you know, we want to plug, plug your music and, and get to know that as well. But the story yeah. behind the people is, I, I always find it fascinating. I was wondering, was sure. it because you said it was the time of your life when you came back to Ireland? I was going, there's no way he came to Newbridge because nobody ever came to Newbridge <laughs> on their holidays and said they had the time of their life. <laughs> not a chance, not a chance. Even when I just made the move from Blanche to Newbridge, it was a terrible time. That was, so, that was worse than coming all the way from Nigeria. That was worse than coming all the way. <laughs> That was worse. That was more of a culture shock to me than moving all the way from West Africa. <laughs> so yeah, that yeah, that was but, something. But we have to, but come on, we have the white water, 
We have. Oh uh, god. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. It's a beautiful Jesus place. Christ. It's a beautiful place. No, Newbridge is Newbridge is nice. It's nice. Can you tell me about that time then, the two weeks with your mother. Like, what was it? Was it was it being in art? Was it like because obviously you identified with Ireland from very from a very young age, even though you don't really remember it, and it was where your yeah. mother, you would have known a lot about it. Like, what was it about yeah. those two weeks? Obviously, spending time with your mother and being with your brother was it just like you just finally felt like you belonged, or like did like before? Did you feel a little bit disjointed from where you were? Do you know what I mean? Was there a difference in how you felt inside? Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of answers to that question. You see, from um, from coming here with spending spending time with my mom, there was actually something when I was younger. Everyone thought my I'd stopped growing because I just wasn't growing for years. I'd stayed like four foot something for about five years. I was 14 years old and like five foot one. It was pitiful, and I was so tiny. And then um, went to so many doctors and was actually a real cause for concern for my um parents because they thought I had growth hormone deficiency or something. Um, and the doctors were like, no, can't, can't find anything. Like, there's nothing there, nothing to suggest that. I guess he just has to wait for his window and rah, 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 rah. And my mom was really worried. And my brother as well, he was really worried because he was a very quick developer. He grew very quickly and, you know, became, um, yeah, he just didn't have any problems with growth. Let's just say that. He was like six foot when he was 12 or something. So... Um, I was the complete opposite and that was a cause for concern so um, I was actually my auntie who's a doctor she's a pediatrician and she does a lot of stuff with pediatric psychology and psychiatry or whatever and she was saying to me that or saying to my mom that the a part of the reason I don't exactly know what what exactly she said but she was saying something like she alluded to something along the lines of when he when he gets reunited with you his growth will continue or his growth will even would speed up and funny enough when i came literally that you can't make this stuff up when i came to ireland even for that two weeks i had a growth sprout i must have gone i must have grown like three inches in that in the space of the two-week holiday it was crazy i don't know how it happened actually but she was right I don't know how it makes sense. I don't even know if that's a medical thing or how someone would even come to know that. But yeah, that happened. And in that two weeks, it was just something different. There's something about when you're able to experience uh, that motherly love like firsthand and intimately, it's it's incomparable. You know, you can't, there's nothing else you can liken it to. You know, that's no shade on dads because they're great as well, but they're in a different realm. Um but it was just different. Like, I do remember, like, little things that I never had before. For instance, like, I remember I was, I was a kid. I was young. I couldn't sleep one time. And then um, my mom woke, me, woke up because I couldn't sleep. I don't know how she knew I couldn't sleep. She came to check up on me. And that was so weird to me. And she checked up on me. She was like, oh, what's wrong? You can't sleep. I was even a bit uncomfortable because I didn't, like, this is very weird to me. I've never had this, you know, but I'm open to it. And, you know, and she was like, oh, she was trying to pacify me. She made me hot chocolate. Went down, so was like, made more, made me hot chocolate, made me a little snack or whatever. Um, 
you know, like was like put me in her arms and was you know was just petting me till I fell asleep in her arms and all that kind of stuff. And it was weird, even the point where that after I fell asleep, I woke up and I burst into tears because I was like, how have I missed out on this for so for so many years um, of my life? And so it was just that just that to me that experience there summed up the whole experience of me being with my mom you know just finding someone who and you know I did have I did have that kind of unconditional love before because my grandparents did love me but they were they were older they had already raised kids and everything so there's only so much they could do within their capacity you know what I'm saying and um, my dad as well he was always working on deployments in like He's not a soldier or anything, but just working in like, different parts of Nigeria. At some point, he was even in Jamaica for a couple of years. So um, didn't really see him for some time. But then spent a lot. When he finally came back, I was in and out boarding school. So we'd only kind of see him on holidays. And we, but we'd spend a lot of time. We're really close. And all, don't get me wrong. But um, there was just something different about it. And because I knew even getting to speak to my mom how much it hurt her not being able to be with us for so long. I was like, I can't deny her any more of that, you know? Um, and so, yeah, that was why I, that was why, I, that was my main reason for staying for sure. But then even on the Irish thing, I always had, a, I always felt, even when I didn't know anything about Ireland, I always felt like I had a connection to it because my great granddad was actually from Donegal at the time. I didn't. So my grandma, she's Jamaican Irish, and her granddad was Irish from Donegal. So she'd always tell us stories about her granddad, and I always felt connected to Ireland through those stories, and I felt like that was part of my heritage that I had to explore at some point in my life. So when I came to Ireland, I guess another way of me rationalizing my um, my decision to stay was exploring my heritage as well you know getting closer to my I don't know what you'd call that my my grandfather's great-grandfather's land or something and yeah even when I went to Donegal it was a it was a weird esoteric experience in that sense just being like whoa like I actually have roots here as well that's crazy like the, yeah that was crazy to me so yeah Do- so when you were in Donegal, you, did you you felt something? You were kind of looking out over the land and going, "Yeah, I, I feel like yeah, this is I feel like it's this a, is a bit of me." Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. No. Did you when you so so after your holiday in Blanchardstown, where mm. uh, you know, it's, did you when you went to school? Then I presume you 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 when you decide to stay, you went to school. Did you feel mm. welcome in Blanchardstown? Yes and no. It was a it was a tricky one because now before I even go into detail, I must disclaim I didn't really care too much about how accepted I was because I was already living my dream, being able to, you know, I hadn't seen my brother since he was two years old. He was now twelve at the time, or thirteen at the time. So and my mom as well. So I was already living my dream. I didn't really care too much for outsiders at the time. I just was happy to be with my family. Um but yeah, when I came over to Blanche, my brother, my mom took two weeks off school, off um, work, sorry. And my brother was still in school at the time. So she was always with me. And then when my brother finished school, because I came in April, so there was still a couple of months left 
of um in school. So there was some there were some times I was just alone in the house for like for most of the day, um, which I didn't even mind. Like I was I was blissful. I didn't care. <laughs> but um I'd always look forward to them coming back. But then my brother used to take me to he was big into football. He used to take me to Astros every day of that summer and introduce me to all of his friends and make sure he all really made sure I was um acclimatized, you know, it's something I'm very grateful for because that was a lot more that proved to be a lot more important in my um growth than you know one would have thought at the time. But yeah, he took me to Astros every single day. He'd bring his friends around me, bring his friends and make sure he integrated me into his friendship group because I had none in that kind of way. And um he just teach me little things of how to how to navigate through Irish society at the time. So played a lot of football and over the summer, made a lot of friends through that, mini leagues, etc. And then when I finally got into school, then it was it was still a bit, it was still sh- like a shock to my system because it was a completely different school system. But it felt like it would have been worse if I never socialized throughout the summer and at least picked up on little things. So it made it a bit easier for me. But even at that, football was kind of like the only way I knew how to um, relate to people. So we just play football on break times. And then in classes, I, it took me some time to kind of develop the emotional intelligence to, to actually immerse myself in school and, you know, in this, in this culture at the time. And I was so, my difference was so clear and it was made so clear because a lot of the, a lot of the um, communication at that age is based around or centered around banter, you know, teenage banter. That's how 90% of the communication is. That's how you talk, you know what I'm saying? So jokes were always made of like where I was coming from, Nigeria, da da da. Some quite ignorant jokes at the time because I thought, like I was by no means, um, because like I said, the way I've just given you a whole backstory of how I came to be in Ireland and everything, it was never intentional for me to stay here. And it definitely wasn't out of necessity because I was very, very um, comfortable and we were good in Nigeria. I mean, my grandparents, like very, very, we were good. We were happy and everything, but it was my mom that brought me here. So people never understand that because a lot of them, their only experience with... Um, the only experience with Africa at the time would be like, I don't know, Troker or ads that they'd see on TV and all this kind of stuff. So they thought, or they'd try and suggest that that was my reality. Hence, that's why, that was why I'm being here. And it couldn't be further from the truth. Uh, but yeah, so a lot of those kind of things really made me, they made me feel some type of way at the time because more so because I was thinking like, hey, these guys have no clue of what was like, why I'm here. But at the same time, it's not even their business for me to start explaining. And I don't, I don't even care to explain. And even at that time, I knew a lot of it would pass or I never took it too seriously until I was, until I'd reached certain ages, then it started becoming the thing of, um, nah, come on, this is a bit ridiculous now at that stage. And then you have to start, you know, responding. But initially it was it was fine to me. Um, but yeah, so I always felt different in that respect because I also knew 
I was coming into a place where I came in, I, my first year in school was third year. So I'd already come into a school where people have formed friendships from either from the start of first year or even some people since primary school and so on and so forth because everyone is from the local areas. So they all knew each other and I was just this new guy. So I was already this new guy from Nigeria even who had like, I had a mohawk and all that kind of stuff. But rah, rah, rah. So I was already different. Um, and I, I was aware of that. I understood it. So I never really took it personally, but I did try to integrate as much as I, as much as I could. And that was something that um, my parents, my brother, really pushed for me to do. He really, he, especially my brother, he really wanted me to integrate. And, you know, he wanted me to be like a functioning <laughs> member of the of society and stuff. So, yeah, I, yeah, it was it was good. Ultimately, it was a it was a great experience because that builds like um, certain facets of your character that, you know, like just that mental strength to just take all that, to just, you know, be in those situations where, you know, like you have to be aware of people's ignorance and rise above it. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's different, but um, yeah. So that was kind of, yeah, I think your ability to know, I think your ability to notice that it was other people's ignorance and not anything, you know, any slight on your character or you as a person who was just totally down to their ignorance was very yeah was was great for you to be able to do that uh did you did you did you play football with a club or did you, was it just the five aside yeah dude this is very this is very good so when i came i thought i would be good at football i thought so i wasn't turns out i wasn't i'd only played like street <laughs> football and five aside so <laughs> So when I went to trials, because my brother, on the other hand, he was really good. He would play for like he was playing for St. Kevin's and you know at Premier. He was, he was good. He had a reputation. Um, we go for he'd get called back. I wouldn't get called back, and and I was two years above whatever. And um, so he took it upon himself to train me how to play like eleven aside football because that's a it's a whole different like skill set. Um, just um, match awareness, you know, the um, tactical awareness as well, and just being able to even match fitness as well. But he really trained me to play that um, over that summer. So then I finally got good enough to make like the local teams. Must have started with like Castlenock Celtic, and I moved on to Verona. And then at my peak, I was at HHFC at the NDSL Premier. We actually won the league, NDSL Premier, which was decent. But then, so that was like my journey through football this is all <laughs> through football and that was my peak and then I stopped because of the leaving cert so yeah I got I got decent to be fair yeah you peaked you peaked too soon I would say I peaked too soon <laughs> what would tell me about your music then when did when did the interest in music come in and did you bring that to with you to Ireland and and what kind of do you have any formal music training or what tell me about your music journey it's a, probably a long story. I never had any formal training. It was all, it's a very long story. But um, it was always passion-based, passion-driven. Um, my dad and my grandparents always um, introduced me and exposed me to as much music as possible because they knew I had an interest from very early on that they could identify that. And they'd encourage me to kind of make little jingles and stuff like, 
uh, my dad, he used to be a drummer and everything. So he especially would try and get me into like the technical side of music. Like, uh, you know, he taught me early on, actually, he taught me the power of repetition in music. Like just like having to have a chorus section, the hook section, everything that he'd explain and break down some of our favorite songs. I explained like, this is why you like it so much because this part, and this is the part you like, this is the part you really like. Look how many times you hear it over the three minutes and that's because of it. Uh, um, yeah, so he taught me that very early on. And um, yeah, I was always making music with my brother because we wanted to just impress our you know, family at different family functions. My grandma was always big on hosting like big functions in the house and parties. So we'd always aim to perform whatever songs we made at those parties, like really, really young. And then I got into hip hop then when my dad got me um, the Eminem Show album at the time. And I listened to it. I was like, whoa, that's so crazy how, because the artists I really loved at the time were like Damian Marley, Fela Kuti, um, Harry Belafonte, and all artists who was like, who had a message through their music. And, I always found it interesting that I learned something every time I listened to the music. But then, what it actually um, intrigued me about hip hop was that because after Eminem show, then I did a lot of digging. Then I started working backwards in terms of listening to like the Tupacs, the Rakims, and et cetera. And then it was like all these guys, they, they're also saying things through their music but they're saying a lot more in the space of three minutes because of how a rap song is structured. You can say a lot more in one verse in the same 16 bars as someone else might take a whole song to, you know, to say. Um, so we were, uh, that's when I'm, I really fell in love with it. So I used to try and dabble with rhyme schemes and play with different sorts of cadence and, and imitate flows as well at the time. Uh, and just try and fill them personalized the lyrics and I try I got really into storytelling rap very early and yes yeah, so that's kind of where it started it was always there but I, it was never public I never had the confidence to let anyone know that I was rapping or I was trying to rap or anything until I came to Ireland a couple of years later you know so that actually happened in sixth year so I'd been in Ireland for about three years now and only my closest friends knew I, like I could rap, and I kind of like it was very under wraps, and it was never a thing I wanted to do um, professionally at times. I thought I was going to be a footballer. I thought I, was, I thought my rise was going to be meteoric <laughs> in football, but <laughs> but then um, the leaving sir came around. I moved to Newbridge, and then they told me we, I, I could only play for Newbridge we, Town. We could have signed you up for Newbridge Town Great Club. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't having that. What league is that? The SDFL? I don't know we're, what league. We're, we're in the DDSL, yeah, but uh, yeah, <laughs> probably not DDSL, the DDSL. Probably uh, not the Premier League, you know. <laughs> definitely not the Premier League. Yeah, so there was, I just decided nah, um, because that summer I'd actually made it onto Cherry Orchard, um, Cherry Orchard DDSL Premier. So I was growing. I was still growing. I'd made the trials, but then we moved to Newbridge that same summer and I could no longer make it in, not Cherry Orchard, sorry, um, what's the, oh, I even forget the name of St. the club. St. Kevin's, man. no? No. Uh, Home what's the Farm. Band? 
No, I think it was Belvedere. Belvedere. Oh, it yeah, could have been Belvedere. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I couldn't make it from there to from Newbridge to there. Like when I wasn't driving, um, I didn't have a lot of money to be taking public transport, and I was also in the institute. My mom and dad paid for me to go to the institute, so I had to, you know, maintain some sort of focus on the leaving cert. Um, yeah, so that was when I was really at a crossroads in my life where I was like, well, my mom obviously wants me to be like um, a doctor or a dentist or something like that, something I could really academic like that. But I don't want to do it. Even though um, I had the, I had the act like I could have done it. Like if I put my head down, I could have studied for it and, you know, got it. Cause well, suggest like that's what my grades were suggestive of anyway, which is why she had so much confidence in that. But I it just really didn't interest me at all. I was, I had zero interest in fixing people's teeth. <laughs> it was not my calling. So, and then the institute, the way it is with all the counseling sessions and everything, they're like, you know, you know, you're someone you need to be looking at the high points courses and then if you fall short make sure your options would be like engineering and law and da, 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 da. I was like engineering and first of all those two things are completely different so at this point I might just get into something just because of the um the kind of social status that comes with it like I don't care about that so I was like nah this can't be life so I did a lot of soul searching I was like what am I good at what you know and all this time, music was staring at me right in the face, but I, it was never an option for me to share it with the world. Until one day in school, my um, we because in institute everyone kind of comes in around sixty or fifty year, so we were very um, we were all getting to know each other. I know it came to a point of oh, what's it? What's everyone's hobbies? And you know, just icebreaker questions like that. And this other guy was like, oh yeah, he raps. Um, that took my interest already. And at the time, I didn't think I was that good. So I never, I just, I didn't even say anything. I just wanted to hear him rap because everyone was like, oh, yeah, let's rap. Oh, let's hear you rap. And da 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 da. And he was rapping. And everyone was, everyone was like, you know, gassing him. And I was thinking, wait, hold on. This is terrible. Like, this, <laughs> like, like, if this is what, go, if this is what, you know, it takes to get this sort of praise, then they're going to look at me like Jay-Z or something. So I just, <laughs> so then I was like, nah, let me show you guys what I do. And then I started rapping and everyone's mind was so blown. And then my, my friend, my other friend, Aaron, he was like, he took it upon himself like to force the issue. So he, even after school and after that moment I passed, he messaged me on Facebook at the time. He was like, listen, man, what what you did today like I can't even explain it in words and this is something like there's a clear difference between what you have and say the other guy I'm not gonna mention his name because you know um he's like oh what you have in that guy you know you're really talented and this and that you can't let this go do you have any songs recorded and funny enough I actually had some songs recorded because my brother my big brother took me into um took me to some studios early on just and I just do some recording Cause he was trying to get me into it. You know, he was really trying to get me into it, but at the same time, I still didn't have the confidence to share what we had created. But then I was like, yeah, actually I do have um, songs recorded. And I emailed them to him and he was like, oh, if you have 10 songs, 
like this, I would definitely buy an album. Like I pay ten euro for an album, and I just did the math. I was like, hmm, so all I need is a hundred people like him, and then I'll be rich. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I was like, that's what I want to do. That's this is it. So then, um, but yeah, he really forced the issue, and uh, he, well, he said he'd come on as my manager. He'd come up with this big plan and how we're gonna promote the music, and actually. It was the best place for me, the best place and time for me to do it because when I released the music and I had a very good reputation with my teachers, a good rapport with my teachers because I was good in, in their classes and all that stuff. So they liked, they were fond of me anyway. But then when they found out that I was doing something extracurricular, they all wanted to support it. So like my French teacher and my economics teacher, especially, they did the most for me. So they would play my, because at that point, I released that song that I was never going to release. I released it that evening that my friend messaged me, just like, what the hell, just put it out there, see what happens. And the reception was great because obviously everyone was shocked. No one knew I was doing music. Um, so my teachers, my economics and French teacher, they played that song and video every single class before class for like the next three weeks of school to make sure everyone in the school knew who I was and knew I was making music and they'd urge everyone to follow me on socials and subscribe to my YouTube channel and they would really encourage me and then I did a whole the Christmas concert and the parents then uh, all the parents were encouraging me saying no I don't know what you want to do in college but you have to go you have to do something with this and all of those things that happened over those couple of months, it just felt like the stars were really aligning for me to to pursue music fully. And yeah, everyone around me that I was lucky enough to meet at the time just really gave me the confidence I needed to you know, take the plunge. So yeah, I'm really grateful for the people I met along the way, for sure. And what was that first song that you released? Oh, Lord. The song... The song was called White Benz. It was a song okay. called White Benz. Yeah, it was a funny time, funny time. But uh, the funny thing is, even in that, like, even that song, I was still trying to say something with my music. I was trying to get a message out there, like my message, whatever the, 14, the message of a 14-year-old could be. I was still trying to get that out there. And, um, you know, people, people, like, picked up on that. Even the adults, maybe they were just um, humoring me or maybe they thought it was actually good. I don't know, but they were really um, very supportive, I'd say. And yeah, so I became, I became school famous in the Institute and that, that, gave me, that gave me all the confidence I needed to push on. Um, it's, well, it's great when you... It makes it a little bit easier when your first experience of trying something like that in front of people is encouraged, you know, like, yeah. like, like that, you know, it's, 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 it's very helpful. And uh, I'm glad you got that, that response and that reaction. Cause sure. it's, you know, really kind of, you know, I'd imagine it's, it, it sets you up the, um, did you catch yourself on other voices the other night? You're on, you're, you're on the television. I don't know if you. Oh, I, I didn't actually know they were, they aired it multiple times. I thought they only aired the, cause I watched it. I think it was in it was back in March or is it June? Well, yeah. I don't I don't even know what day it is anymore. I don't know what month it is. I don't I don't <laughs> know what I don't know what year it is. March to June. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. 
<laughs> I was like, was it March or was it June? Those are three months in between. But yeah, no, that's crazy. I didn't actually see that. I didn't know about that. What about other voices then? I mean, because uh, what what led you to that? Like, what, tell me a little bit about what was going on around then, and and um, I'm as much as. Uh, as much as I know about other voices, I think you're quite unique as an act. I mean, I mean, other voices is great at uh, performing, at supporting, mm-hmm. uh, you know, diverse acts and you know whatever it is, hip hop, mm-hmm. rock, rock mm-hmm. Irish trad, whatever. But you were you were one of the first kind of Irish, yeah, R and B style hip hop. I don't want to put you in a box, but you know, of your of mm-hmm. your of your genre for other voices and it was really yeah. good it, it, it went down really well what was your experience around other Thanks. voices and the lead up to that as well um it was great so the the at this time now i've already um i've been doing music for a while when i first got to play other voices the first time um, i built a little bit of a name for myself around around ireland because i was for like first two years three years of my career i was really jumping at every single opportunity that was there. I was performing. I was just hungry to get my name out there. And to me, that was the only way I could do it, you know, because how else were people going to just magically come across my music? So I was just performing for loads and loads and loads of open mics and gigs. And somehow I um, I got a book in for the Other Voices Trail, music trail in Ballina one time, like three years ago. And um God, it was crazy event. Like the show was complete. Like it was just madness, mosh pits and everything. And you know, people got really great reviews. I think that was new to them. So then they booked me again for all the voices dingle the year after. And then I played two shows, and Nelly, and I was the last closing act of the Nelly of the Saturday. So um, the Nelly Freds, everything was it was packed. And again, really great views. And it was just something different because people would come there, come to the show of mine, and then they'd, obviously they'd leave drenched and soaking in sweat because of how, how energetic it was. And, you know, everyone was jumping around the room, was bouncing, literally mosh pits and everything. It was new, I guess, to all the voices. And then they booked me again for some time, a couple of months later in Wales, old other voices, Wales. So then I went flew over to Wales did the same thing and I guess for them or whoever you know whoever the whoever books other voices or the panel of organizers were there that was when they were like probably like, okay now he's ready to do the church because you have to kind of go through the trail and then you go to the church because every single show was a hit it was like you know there was never any bad reviews about it, it was always everyone left there I always left I always walked the town with I walked out of the town with like my head held high because everyone knew that's what what I was about then. So um, did the finally got to do the church and I realized, wait, hold, oh, it's a completely different experience. Like first of all, they get you a driver. You're driving. You're driving a tour bus that picks you up that like right outside your door, and then they pick up all your friends too. Like, but well, this is this is this celebrity lifestyle. So then. We like that happens, and then you have um the chaperone or someone who takes you around, who makes sure you're fed, make sure you get to the hotel and yeah, you're comfortable, and make sure your trip is just a great time. You know, you go to the sound check, you do the sound check, 
you do the TV checks and you, you're doing an interview on TV and then all of a sudden you're performing like there's people who have bought tickets specifically to see you at the church because all the different acts that play the church um they have to people have to buy their tickets like to see different acts you don't have like one pass to see everyone so then you go in and then you see or you're going into um saint michael's church and you're seeing the, the place packed full to the brim of people who are just waiting to see you and then you, there's the camera crew and everything and uh, it's just a great it's just a different experience to the music trail for sure well um, yeah and then i guess really enjoyed the really enjoyed the performance and the experience having to all the little things even the rider is different the riders, uh, you, you get there, you get your dressing room, you have everything you've asked for ever. <laughs> all of a sudden, you're getting your makeup done to go on TV so there's no blemishes, whatever. And then they tell you about product placement. You have to put the other voices bottle down around the mic stand so it gets picked up by camera, all these other little things. So I'm like, huh, like, you know, this is pretty cool. You know, and, um, yeah, so it was a great experience. It was definitely a great experience. And I guess doing the music trail like around Ballina, Dingle and um, Wales really uh, set me up for that because especially around amongst the people who knew about other voices because they have pretty, like a very dedicated um, fan base as well, like audience who go to other voices religiously as a retreat. So I guess I built a reputation amongst those people as well. Um yeah, so that's that all set me up to play the church in um, in Ballina this year. Yeah, it looked really good. I just I, I didn't get mm. to I wasn't there, but I saw it on the telly the other night. And it looked it looked uh, yeah. it's well impressive. Anyway, um, oh, do you with your music? Did you did you always make your own beats, or how do you, how does that work? Because I know I know uh, when I on the television the other night you were. There was um there was you and another MC and then you kind of had mm. drums bass there was a live yeah. band so so what, how does that work where do you who comes up with your beats or do you, do you just do everything yourself no 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 so I have a producer Chris Cabs who I've been working with um since I started since since I started pretty much uh, we've um, formed a great relationship musically and just in general. Um, he has produced most of my music to date, and the live the live band is just like a variation of my um, live performance. It's something I also enjoy doing because um, it's a different it's a different show, and it depends on the audience as well. But I think musically, performing with a live band is always more interesting because you're you have um, you have so much more freedom, you know, to, when you're playing the music from scratch, you know, little breaks and you can make new arrangements and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but say if I was doing a, like a complete show in front of like hip hop people who I know, like are used to it, but like that's their thing. I'd do a regular DJ set because, you know what I'm saying? That's, that's hip hop. But I like to play the live band if I'm playing for um, an audience of, you know, who are more used to, I don't know, live music, you know, so it was just something I had to add to my arsenal and I actually really enjoy it. So yeah, we just play, we make new arrangements for the songs and 
we we played them live. You know, so it's, it's a nice experience in itself. Yeah, it was good. It came across really well. I mean, it's it's good to be that. It's good to be that uh, flexible and agile and also to, to be willing to give things a go and to know when you need to, you know, ch- change it up a little bit and be willing to do that for, for different audiences. Because some, some musicians can be a bit like, well, this is what I am. So you like it or lump it. And you, yeah, you know, yeah. it's good to hear uh, you kind of realizing that different audiences like different things and that you're, you're, you're happy sure. to do it for them. The, um, mm. So how has is, how is COVID affected you, the lockdown? Like, I mean, were you... Do you feel like you're on a trajectory? That uh, is there a bit of a flat line going on? Are you are you okay? Are you down in the dumps? Are you being as as are you <laughs> trying to be? Are you are you finding it hard to be creative? Are you finding it hard to motivate yourself? Like where are you at at the moment? Well, I've definitely not finding it hard to be creative, but it really did affect me um, because this year we had so much in the works and like a lot of things were just meant to go so well literally the two days before two days after the lockdown was announced um safe was the safe was announced on the 17th which was paddy's day of march it would be like on the 19th i was meant to start the european tour with nelly i was meant to go on tour with him and that was crazy because i'd done the irish tour before with him but this time was like norway sweden holland belgium and it was, you know, it was crazy. I was really looking forward to that. Um, a lot of other things felt like festival season, you know, some really big festival bookings today and et cetera. But, you know, all of those things out of my control. But then what I what was in my control was, you know, my ability to stay making music, you know, and um, stay creative. I could, I could keep on top of that and keep releasing music. So this year I've actually probably released more music and um or by the time the album is dropped definitely i'd have released more music this year than i ever have even my whole entire career because i've done like on average a song a month since january so it's been a lot of music because to me that's the way to compensate for not being able to do all those live shows and not be able to you know connect with people face to face at least the least I can do for them is, you know, give them my music to listen to and do my part to keep them entertained during um, during lockdown. So as a lot of music I just recorded during lockdown and, you know, engineered and sent off. And I did a lot of collaborations as well um, just to keep active and to keep, you know, just for myself as well to keep ticking over. And yeah, so COVID did definitely affect, especially, um, Financially, I think it's been really hard on um, artists or people in creative fields in general, um, especially in the live sector, because a lot of a lot of the money you earn in this field is from live performances, and when that's sort of taken away, you're almost left with little to nothing. But even that in itself was a great eye opener for me, because it let me know that I can't. Um, rely solely or majorly on one stream of income because it can be taken away so I've I've been trying and definitely looking to do um, a lot more things in the way of making money through with my music and new ways like that I even um, yeah so it's been it's been tough but at the same time it's been such a great learning experience 
it's even those things of like, you know, you need you need multiple streams of income if you want to take if you like if this is your profession because I quit my job like last year and I've been living off of music and yeah that's all great when you know I quit my job in April and then all of a sudden I'm playing Long Street Electric Picnic and all of a sudden I'm playing all these mad festivals and I'm going on tour and rah 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 so money's coming in I'm happy everything is cool I'm living off that cool but then what happens when COVID hits all of a sudden your security you know that your financial security is gone so I just started coming up with new ways to make money through music and um We've had, uh, yeah, then I also started a record label this year, my own record label, JLOL Records, and secured a distribution deal with Idol, um, French company as well. And that's just really, just really tried to harness positivity out of the negativity. So, um, yeah, it's been great. Yeah, I think uh, I think that you, you, you hit the nail on the head with, with regards to trying to figure out how you, you you can't be you can't I, I i mean i kind of finished up on radio recently and i was like okay i need to mm. i need to have a different few different side hustles you know i can't just For be sure. relying on one thing and, and nobody is nobody's waiting to give you a career and nobody's waiting to mm-hmm. to make sure you're okay for money they're, they're gonna they're gonna you just have to do that yourself and actually i just released a podcast with another guy from newbridge another musician called ryan mack oh um, right I don't know if you've heard of Ryan Mack, but he's he's slight, he's, he's in a different space than you are musically. And uh, but he uh, he's been working really hard, and he's got all this stuff he's about to release, and he really seemed to use the lockdown and a bit of a wake up call as well. Um, sure. So I think that probably between talking to you and talking to Ryan Mack on the podcast, I've probably got two of Newbridge's biggest rising stars, and possibly mm. the, probably the world <laughs> the world in, in in about six months' time it will be like oh well, I, I had them I had them over here. I had, I had them on the podcast. I had them on the podcast, and you'll be uh, you'll be hanging out with Kanye West, uh, <laughs> and, and tell them come. you tell them that you had the poster in your bedroom. But um, yeah, <laughs> but yep, uh, definitely. Listen, man. So the so the album's about to be released. Hopefully, you'll get to get to do the launch live, and uh, but whatever will be will be. Um, just best to look with everything. Really appreciate. I, I didn't even get to talk to you about your getting your song on FIFA as well. That was uh, <laughs> that, that was quite yeah, big. That was, was that was that a kind that, of like that just was, come from the blue or or was it? Are you, have you got a publishing deal? Were you chasing it or? No, no. I have a I have a publisher, but um, it came kind of. It wasn't out of the blue for sure because the first time. Obviously, if you know how publishing works, they they have um, people that they pitch me a lot of music to, and you know you see what sticks, and they pitch like a thousand songs, and you see they obviously have to whatever the curators think, then get selected. But they had shown interest in my track Medusa for the um, Christmas ad campaign of 2018, and so I don't know what why that fell through. We were too late sending the master, or they wanted it to be remastered, and we're too late getting that over to them, and. They were in a very um, tight time schedule because getting ready for Christmas and everything, you need to everything needed to be really quick. So that fell through, and obviously I was gutted that that fell through because I'd I'd grown up playing FIFA, and just to me that would have been amazing at the time. You know what I mean? Um, but then I recorded Ozone as soon as that fell through, and for some reason I was just eager to get something over to them. Like I could have, yeah, I was just eager. So I sent it over to my publisher immediately as soon as I recorded it. I was like, yo, 
just send this over to EA. Like, let's see if they're doing any more campaigns or anything. And, you know, let's just get it over to them. And he was really excited about the track. Um, uh, so they pitched it to them for something else, like just as a matter of, oh, here's some new JLO music as well. And, rah, rah, rah. and um, they, there was no response for ages. And then they came back about in about March. I'm like, really love this track and very interested in having it on the, um, the possibility of having it on our in-game soundtrack and our, for our main game and the Volta section. And rah, rah, rah. Here's an NDA. Don't say anything about this conversation. In all in the same emails, so I was like, "That's crazy." So this time around, we made sure we got everything they needed ASAP. In fact, I already had everything they needed before I sent it over. So as soon as they, they were asking for information, oh yeah, instrumental, yeah, oh clean version. There you go. Yeah, just the vocal stems. They're dry and wet. Cool. Everything was grand. Um, and yeah, I couldn't say anything about it for about seven months. It was six months, so it was there. Uh, I was, it was that was something, even just having to contain that excitement amongst my friends and my, even my family couldn't know until the week before I was able to announce. And, um, yeah, so I, yeah, that was that was definitely a dream come true for me because, like, like I, like I told you, I thought I was really gonna make it in football, so I thought I was gonna be on FIFA as a player. So when that didn't happen, that was the next best thing for me. Um, yeah, you know, you made dreams it. come true for sure. Yeah, man, you made it. You know, it's. Uh, I always say something kind of cheesy. It's like you know, when you shake the apple tree, you know, it might not always be apples that comes out. It might be oranges, but you're, you know, exactly, exactly. That's a great. That's a great analogy. Great metaphor. You should always shake the tree anyway. You don't know. Shake um, the tree for what it's worth. Listen, uh, really, thank you. Uh, thanks so many for your time. And uh, if, I see, uh, if I see a Newbridge, I'll buy you a coffee. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Don't forget to make the video at the skate park. Uh, my son would like to be in I it. I get your son to, to, yeah, to scoot yeah, in the video. This is very important, more. very important. <laughs> and best of luck with the album. I'll just go to the skate park and be like, which one of you is Keith Walsh's son? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just ask for Finn Walsh. They'll know him. They'll know him. Finn Walsh. Finn, Finn Walsh. Walsh. Okay. He's famous down there. Um, Brilliant. So listen, man, thanks. I'm, I'm really looking forward to the album and, and, and seeing you live again at a festival. Thank you, man. And, uh, and hopefully this will all blow over and we'll be back uh, making live music and watching live music soon. So listen, for sure. the Newbridge Massive. And, and Hi, pick ups the Newbridge Massive. Cheers, man. <laughs> thanks a lot, Keith, man. Easy. Take care. Good luck. Enjoy your evening. Right. Bye-bye. Take care, man. You too. Yeah, and I got a good plug in there for uh, the young lad as well, you know. It's funny because um, my son doesn't really, hadn't really heard of JLOL. And I just, I just remember saying to him, you know JLOL, he's a rapper, he's, he lives in Newbridge. You should, I remember saying to him, you should email him and ask him to make a video at the skate park. And ask him, can you be in it? I don't know what I do be thinking half the time. Um, but uh, he didn't. Maybe he will. Maybe it'll happen. And then, oh, then who'll be laughing then? Oh, I tell you. I won't be. Nobody will be. Some people, I don't know. Who will be laughing? Uh, thank you very much to Jay, JLOL, for chatting to me. Uh, lots of uh, good things to come. I should tell you that the album is out, due out. Uh, it depends on when you're listening to this. Um, November the 20th. 
as far as I know. I did get a message from him. Let me just double check that, just to be sure, to be sure. Um, how did I, how did I, how did I contact him again? There he is, yellow man. Um, he said, hey man, just the new song Tunnel Vision out now. So download, search for the song Tunnel Vision, it's out now. And the debut album, it's out on the 20th of November, uh, 2020, D-Vision. 2020 D-Vision, I think it's called. So, uh, 2020 Vision, 2020, 2020, 2020 D-Vision. That's the name of the album uh, from JLOL. Out the 20th of November. And uh, as I said, uh, I asked him about Nigeria and coming on talking. He said, I'm not well versed in what exactly is happening at this very moment. So I wouldn't want to re- misrepresent the situation. Um, <clears throat> so uh, you'll have to go. I'll have to go and find out for myself what's happened in Nigeria. So not good. Doesn't look good anyway. So there you have it. Thank you very much for listening to episode 18 of the Keith Walsh podcast. I am um, going to go to bed soon enough once I finish getting this up. Uh, getting this up. Uh, I'm such a juvenile twit. Um, and that's the crack. Yeah, Charlie's flakers. I've been giving him CBD oils to help him with the little problem he has. Hoping that it'll take down the uh, inflammation. And he seems to be fairly happy, flaked out. That could be the 5K we did earlier on today. Up at the Curra. Anywho, hope you're well. Stay well. I will stay well. And uh, mind how you go. Okay? Just all I, all I need to do is say goodbye. Just sign off. Good luck. See you. Thanks for listening. Bye. Take it easy. See you around. Don't be a stranger. Unless you're a stranger already, then you can. Anyway, we could become friends. Who knows? Who knows what will happen? Who knows? Maybe I'll just keep talking forever and ever and ever. And ever and ever and ever. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.